Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I am not Greta Johnson, but you did make it to the weekend. Congratulations. I'm producer Anna Bauman filling in for Greta, who is out this week. Today, we're going to look back at two of our favorite conversations from last year. Later in the episode, cookbook author Roxana Julipat makes the case for baking with whole grain flours. I always wanted to make this decadent, time-honored, delicious goods just with better ingredients. But first, we're starting things off with a story about pushing yourself to your limits and coming out stronger for it. Nearly every morning over the course of the pandemic, Jennifer Hoffman has jumped into Lake Michigan around sunrise in every type of weather. Greta talked to her on a frigid winter day last February. So I think we should start with with the big obvious question, probably. Why do you do this? Um... You know, I think the why has changed a little bit. I mean, now there's several components. I think the why for me originally was um, I was dealing with some pretty heavy personal things in my life and it was COVID and I just felt like uh, it could help. I mean, it seems like a great way to really get out of your head. I think... uh, that for me was also something so important. I think um, when you swim in cold water, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think what happens is that you are forced to be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you struggle with that, uh, it's a fantastic way to to deal with that. When you tell people about the fact that you do this, and I assume someone inevitably must say, that's completely insane. How do you respond? You know, I I actually tell everyone that you can do it. It's actually much calmer and less crazy than you would think. Hmm. It's actually extremely calming. And the water, in fact, feels warm, if that makes any sense. It's the air that is the challenge when you get out. So, yeah, it's not as crazy. I think the visuals look crazy. (laughs) And I think people can, like, decide to make it crazier, I guess. Um, But it's actually a really meditative, very, very calming experience. So can you, for those of us who can't tag along with you, or who maybe aren't brave enough to tag along with you, can you describe what it's, I mean, how early are you waking up? When are you getting there? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? I wake up at five every morning, which is, you know, I'm an early bird, but not that early. Yeah, that's that's almost nighttime. Yeah, (laughs) it is nighttime. And I am... You know, I kind of uh, wake up, I go to my kitchen, I put my bathing suit on immediately. Hmm. I, you know, boil up a kettle full of water uh, to make some hot tea to bring with me. And then I, you know, I get on my snow pants and my wool layer and my two very warm coats. And then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, walk quietly 
uh, down to the to the lake and um, sort of take it in and then just start the process of, of uh, getting out of my winter gear. So, and you, you, you mentioned that you're doing this with several other women. I am. Are you chatting with them as you walk to the lake or is it pretty quiet? Um, you know, process. depending on when we each get there, I mean, you know, it's quiet often because I get there before they do. Deandra, hurry up, man. But um, if we get there at the same time, we're walking. Uh, but we often, you know, we joke. It's this sort of 20-minute maximum amount of time that we have this sort of, you know, distanced social interaction in the morning. <laughs> So you take off your layers. You're just in your swimsuit. You usually keep a hat on, right? Um, yeah, I keep my woolen hat on. I take all of my stuff off. I get into the, the water and I'm in probably for about, you know, two to five minutes tops. Gasps. <laughs> <laughs> It's unusually cold. Yeah, it's, it's like we're professional athletes icing ourselves here. Okay. Beatrice, as soon as you're ready, come on in. What does it feel like to get in? You know what? It it actually, for me at this point, it feels warm. Woo, that feels good. God. I think for some, for some, when you're in there, it does start to feel sort of like, maybe like, pins and needles, but in a good way, you know, like there's a kind of, there's a sensation on your skin, mm-hmm. but I feel very warm and it's not until I get out. This is where you have to go fast. That really the hands, I, I'll have to mention the hands are what really gets extremely dysfunctional very quickly. If you don't get dressed quickly Oof, and then you kind of feel this, uh, you know, numbing of your hands, they start to not work properly. And then you, you know, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, you will often have what's called an after drop. And that is where you shake profusely. Hmm. And it sounds worse than it is, but um, it's when your core starts to warm up and your mm-hmm. blood starts to flow back to your <laughs> extremities. So when you're in there for just a couple of minutes, are you treading water? If there's open water, we're swimming. You know, we're doing, you know, wow. we're going for a swim. But, right. you know, Deirdre will you know, leap off of the ladder and she does like a backstroke, you know, uh, 30 strokes out, 30 strokes back. So if we can swim, we swim, um, with the ice, we're digging sort of a small pool if it's possible. And it's more of a, it's more of a cold bath, but, you know, clearly with a a landscape that's (laughs) unbelievable. And when you say when there's a hole, what you're talking about is if the lake has frozen over and you have to smash a hole in order to get to the water through the ice, right? Yes, which which <laughs> has be been clear. which has been the case. Um, yes, we use sledgehammers, you know, a pick like a garden pick. Um, and uh, yes, I did not think that I would be doing that. I knew I would swim in ice, but yes, we will dig a hole if we have to. I imagine there's got to be a certain catharsis to just like smashing the shit out of some ice with a sledgehammer. There is, you know, there is something cathartic that you're sort of getting to a place where you um, need to be, you know, for a few minutes and you'll do what it takes without Mm. endangering yourself, of course. But (laughs) I love that. So you mentioned earlier that 
you started this ritual because you thought it might help. Yeah. Has it? Um, you know, it absolutely has. And uh, it's taken time, but, uh, you know, for me, it wasn't just anxiety. I think I, I had one of the worst depressions in my, my life. I, I would say it took five months, but it helped. You know, something has been exercised out of my myself. And um, so I will say, yes, I, I, I absolutely think it helps. It's just such a beautiful story. I just, I just love it. So thank you so much for sharing this experience with me. Oh, Greta, thank you. I mean, I think when, when there's joy in something, uh, it's good to be able to share it. Yeah, I think this is definitely one of those stories. So thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, in case you were wondering if Jennifer is still plunging into the lake every day, yes. Yes, she is. Unless the weather conditions are terrible. <laughs> Because I've swum, you know, through the entire uh, year, I think everything is fine. Even really, really, like even minus 20, I think, was the lowest we were out there. It's fine. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It's mm -hmm. crazy. If there's no wind. I called her up just after sunrise to ask how she has changed since starting this routine over one year ago. When I started, it gave me this sense of ritual, which I don't think I had in my life. Um, mm -hmm. I think if you're not... Uh, extremely religious like I'm spiritual I guess in some ways but um, I think ritual uh, became really important even sort of seeing how seasons in the world sort of changes over the year and really being more aware of it I mean it's like I guess having like a garden and going out every day and seeing how that changes there's sort of indications at the lake which I think oh, has been really interesting and fun. You know, like now the fishermen arrive. I've seen the same woman walking her Irish setter every morning. And then I, I think many people go and celebrate, you know, the beginning of spring, but in different ways, like there's people doing bonfires and groups. So it, it's a very kind of magical place that way. That is really magical. Well, thank you so much for reconnecting with us. It's so kind of you to, to reach out again. Thank you. That was Jennifer Hoffman, cold water enthusiast. And in just a minute, Greta chats with Roxana Julepat about her cookbook, Mother Grains. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I think it's fair to say that our next guest is a whole grain nerd. What does that even mean, do you ask? Well, instead of using your run-of-the-mill white flour, baker Roxana Julepot bakes with whole grains. Those are grains that have not been stripped of their hulls or bleached. When you bake something with a whole grain flour, 
you're actually making something with extra flavor and nutritional content. You're also supporting sustainable agriculture and biodiversity. Last year, Greta talked with Roxana about her cookbook, Mother Grains, and her philosophy behind using often overlooked grains like barley, buckwheat, corn, rye, and sorghum. So I feel like there are plenty of cookbooks that are all about alternative flowers and sort of how horrible all-purpose flour is. Um, most of them seem to be using new flowers to make things healthier and not necessarily more delicious. And I don't mean to throw shade on them by any means. Right. <laughs> but I think what's really interesting about Mother Grains is that I feel like what you're doing is like it's additive. It's an additive process. You're thinking about what kinds of flowers could make something even better. Well, you know, when I started writing this cookbook um, and when I started working with uh, grains, my intention was to keep doing delicious stuff. I have been a baker for 20 years now. My, this exploration started about seven, but really intensified in the last five. And mm -hmm. I would say that I, I was never, it was never my intention to switch gears. I always wanted to make this decadent, time-honored, delicious goods just with better ingredients. Um more engaging, delicious, innovative ingredients. So yeah, you say you haven't come across a recipe that doesn't benefit from adding a whole grain flour. Um, Affirmative, yes. So in general, with this book, you've you've found recipes that really bring out the flavor of and benefit from a specific grain. I think there's only one thing in the book that you use every grain on to try different iterations, and that's the chocolate chip cookie. Correct. And I mean, I think it's worth getting the book just to see the gorgeous spread of all the different cookies. You can see, you know, how the different grain flowers, like the crinkles or what, you know, like it just makes each cookie different. They're gorgeous. I'm curious why you think the chocolate chip cookie is like the perfect vehicle for trying all of these different flowers. What I like about this recipe is that I've made it so much for so many years that I know it so well. I know what it does. I know the butter. I know the, the sugar ratio. I know the chocolate that I like. I know how they expand in the oven. I know how big they get. I know that they are not super thick generally or like they're thin. So when I change the flour and the flour alone, I'm getting, a, getting an education on the flour itself. So when I added rye, I was very surprised to see that the cookies expands a lot and it's actually uh, thinner rather than a thick and chunky cookie. But when I use Sonora wheat, like all that bran in that wheat, uh, even though it's very creamy and soft, it actually get, gets like very robust and get, get, makes, makes it a fat and actually like uh, almost meaty cookie. So these are really interesting things. I also learned that like buckwheat and chocolate are, is amazing. It's an amazing combination. Um, mm -hmm. So you learn about the way they react, but you also learn about the way they taste. And yes. how they taste in relationship to other ingredients. Yeah, I just think it's really cool. I, I don't get me wrong, I love a chocolate chip cookie, but I think there is a special place in my heart for like the perfect peanut butter cookie. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, the recipe for the peanut butter cookies in Mother Greens is is the perfect peanut butter cookie. Like you did it. it it's quintessential, and um, I think that it's also like you said, so classic that we don't want to mess with it. So I was, uh, my approach when I was working with that recipe is just like, how am I going to incorporate a grain that actually benefits and totally represents this cookie for what it is and always should be. 
um, mm -hmm. and not take anything away from it. Um, and I felt like the sorghum filled in perfectly. It does. Why is that? You know, sorghum has is a very neutral tasting flour, but it adds a really, really good texture. And perhaps you will agree with me that a good peanut butter cookie will have a little bit of a chewiness to it, but definitely mm -hmm. a little bit of a, a melt in your mouth quality. And that's what mm -hmm. sorghum does to cookies. So you have a list of philosophies in the beginning of the book. A couple really stood out to me. One of them was about sifting flour, which is something that I never do because I'm just too lazy. Right. Why is it important to do? In cooking and in baking, we use sifters as a way to aerate the flour. So it's a, it's a way to basically line up an ingredient. So you will hmm. see this method very commonly used in recipes that, re that, that benefit from airiness. Like a, a classic example would be an angel food cake or a sponge hmm. cake, right? Um, uh, it's never a step to be skipped. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, I have a friend that says like, there's two kinds of people in the world, those who sift and those who don't sift. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay. So people who want a shortcut are people who don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Cause I bake a lot. I mean, I use yeah. a metric scale. I feel like yeah. I'm not, you know, like, but okay, I'll start doing it. I'm glad you've shamed me. I think it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Another philosophy you talk about is the value of whimsy and imperfection which mm -hmm. I love, especially with baked goods, because I think we spend so much time thinking about like what would look good on Instagram, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it reminds me of a, it was a scone and biscuit making class I took in North Carolina several years ago now. But their whole thing was like, just call it rustic, you yeah. know? <laughs> and I well, just love yeah. that so much. And it's also like, remember that rustic doesn't mean sloppy. Rustic actually means a lot of like really precise great qualities it means that something is made with artisanal ingredients it's made by hand it's a small batch um you basically put your seal on every item and there's something really special about being a talented baker who has done things over and over over time and creating a whole tray of something and knowing that each individual item on that tray will take its own shape it's it's charming. It's it's not it's great. It's a it tells a story of we are baking by hand. Yeah. And also there's um a lesson to be learned in the fact that uh to get there, to actually like let things do that, be whimsical, we're pulling ourselves out of the process and let things be. So wow, talk about leaving your control issues behind for a minute, right? <laughs> It's good for you. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing and for writing such a beautiful book. I'm really delighted to be able to share it with our listeners. Thank you. And thank you so much for talking about Whole Grain. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. You can find so many other stories like the ones you heard today in our archives. All you have to do is go to wbez.org slash nerdette or look us up wherever you find your podcasts. 
Nerdette is produced by me, Anna Bauman, and our host, Greta Johnson. Our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. And a special thanks to Isabel Carter, our former producer who helped put these interviews together last year. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.